0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles,
1: Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready
0: to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour.
1: I am grateful. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. To share this week on the radio show, I am grateful to welcome my guest and my friend, Corinne Zupko, and she has been on the radio show before. She was on the show last year when she came out with her book about healing anxiety. We're going to talk about that today and the courage to heal Uh, And what that takes because it's no small thing, and Corinne's an expert on that. And
0: welcome, Corinne. Oh, Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here and to be talking about the courage to heal. So,
1: we're going to start as we always do with a prayer and a blessing. I'm going to invite everyone to place their hand on their heart as we take a breath. We just move into that deep gratitude. We're grateful. And we're thankful that our heart is the heart of God, that truly our mind is the mind of God. We are joined together in this joyful divine intelligence, this pure wisdom. And we are grateful and thankful to recognize that To Come together and partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of healing, for the purpose of having the courage to heal. We are grateful and thankful that everything we need is being provided to us and we are receptive here and now we're transcending time and space to come together for the purpose of our healing. And we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them in gratitude. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah. So Corinne, I was, Thinking about, uh, we just did that Facebook Live this week with John Mundy and Lisa Natoli uh, last week. And I was um, just pumped up. I'm always pumped up by the topic of healing. And you and me and uh, John and Lisa, we have this retreat that's coming up in March. And so we were talking about healing, and in preparing to have you as a guest on the radio show, I was thinking about the healing topic and your expertise on healing anxiety. And I wanna share with you something that came up in Masterful Living class this week, That to me, it's very present all the time in my mind, and in working with many people, and you work with so many people too, as a teacher and a therapist, a counselor, and all the wonderful things that you do. And what it 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 comes up for all of us. I know it comes up for me, and it was it was being brought up by folks in class this week that it takes courage to heal that there is a, a kind of a resistance and a reluctance to the very thing that we desire most so we desire the freedom from the physical bodies pains and suffering we desire to feel free from the limitations of the personality and and the emotional body which can just absolutely drive us all around the bend and uh, we're constantly feeling that i know many people are constantly feeling that their emotions are uh, upsetting and a mystery and unsolvable same with issues in the body And yet, as crazy as it is, we often have very strong resistance and reluctance or fear about resolving and dissolving the problems that drive us crazy. And you and I have never actually had a conversation about this. I'm really interested to know what you know from your experience of uh, healing anxiety and helping so many other people do that too.
0: Mm, Jennifer what a rich rich topic I have so many thoughts coming up at the moment and first of all I love that this topic about courage came up in masterful living and I love that with that was the recognition of the resistance that is also there to heal and this resistance is something that of course miracles talks about a lot in psychology Freud called it the death instinct that we have this like drive toward you know the pain, and so it's been noticed even beyond you know the course community that that we call it um, what is it self-destruction like that self-destructive type of instinct It's sort of in the same category of this resistance that we can encounter when yes, we're desiring the truth, we're desiring healing, and yet so I facilitate a weekly course miracle study group, which I think has been going on now for about eight years every Sunday night. And one of the participants recently shared something that I just thought was so poignant and she noticed the attraction to the ick, which is exactly what you're saying about that attraction, that, that, that resistance that comes up, the attraction to the ick. And the thing is that I think it is so important that we're able to see that. So just the fact that we can recognize that is taking us leaps and bounds toward healing because it's when we don't see it and we keep falling in again and again and again that we keep getting you know, tripped up and, and we don't seem to progress. But the fact that we can actually see that resistance, now we can see it and we can say, ah, I want to choose again. You know, Holy Spirit, I'm looking at this with you. I'm giving this over and show me a better way. The way that I like to conceptualize this resistance or this attraction to the ick, number one is that we've become familiar with darkness, right? We've become familiar with pain. It's almost like we can get comfortable Mm -hmm. in that pain and it starts to define who it is that we are. We think, well, you know, I'm Corinne, I've had anxiety. I have, you know, we start slapping all these labels onto our identity and the Thing is, that number one, well, let me back up for a second. The ego throws out any hook that it can to attract us back to it. So that's the draw, that's sort of the temptation I like to think of it. Hmm. The ego is like dangling bait, whatever your hooks and triggers are. This is a lot of what I talk about in my how to heal anxiety class, whatever those triggers are. For me, it was health anxiety. I was always worried about something being wrong with my body. I was, um, I would get freaked out if I heard about, you know, the latest outbreak of some disease on the news. It would just unravel me, and I started to picture it as the ego, like dangling a piece of bait, like you know, a little token, little shiny token, and it's saying, "Here, come on, you know, come, come back." And that starts to kick up a little bit more as we embark on this healing journey because the ego, which is nothing more than a part of our belief about ourselves. It's no force. It's no entity. It's no thing of itself. It's just a part of our belief about ourselves. And that part though starts to feel threatened when we start to withdraw our attachment and our beliefs that we're pumping into it. When we start to kind of say, Hey, you know, this isn't working. This isn't making me happy. That part feels threatened. Like, no, don't stop believing in me. And I'm going to start throwing things at you to try to get your attention Back to me. And so, those hooks and triggers, it's so important that we start to label them and see them for what they are. That's all that they are. You know, it's nothing, it, again, like I said already, there's no force mm. of its own, it's no entity of itself. It's just a belief, and it's a belief that we've chosen. And because we've chosen it, we are then in a place of power to make a new choice, to unchoose, to choose something new, to choose for God instead. And going back to what you began with in your meditation which is so spot on. And I love your prayers, Jennifer. I just love them. You said our hearts are the heart of God and our mind is the mind of God. That's it. We think we can get tripped up in thinking that God is outside of us, that the spirit is outside of us. Our heart, our mind, is the heart and the mind of God. So this is already taking us back into recognizing that this is something we already know. It's something that's already in us. It's not separate from us. It's not unfamiliar. It's more familiar than anything. The, the, when we start to have glimpses, I can remember so many times having these glimpses of just pure love and joy And then saying to myself, why in heaven's name did I ever defend against this? This is home. This is who I am. This is my truth. This is what I want. And when we start to have more and more experiences that take us into that, even just glimpses, our trust builds in spirit. We start to really know and sense that there is something there that we can put our faith and our trust in. And rather than an effort of trying to you know, push away or get over our issues or push away the ego, it just falls away. It just falls away because now we're placing our belief in what is true and who we, we truly are. So the ability to recognize our resistance is so key because we're bringing the darkness to the light. It's like we are taking a cornerstone, a stone that's, you know, there's a shadow underneath it and we're we're turning it upside down and we're exposing that darkness to the light. So when we can see that resistance, that's the opportunity to say, Oh, I see it. Spirit, show me, here you go. You know, I'm willing, I'm willing. And, and spirit then takes that next step. We've done our part with looking at it, handing it over and staying in trust. And now we let spirit do its job. Wow.
1: Yes. So clear. And as you're you're sharing there, Corinne. What popped into my mind is my awareness that the closer I got to having a breakthrough, oftentimes it seemed as though resistance was stronger and the reluctance was stronger. How specifically to um, healing anxiety and emotional challenges, do you, do you think that that plays out? How, how do you see that? people experience it, intensifying it, even if they're close to that breakthrough?
0: Well, one thing that I do always say is that, you know, if the anxiety is kicking up, it, it means you're making progress. Because again, that's just the ego kicking up saying, hey, come back, come back, come back. So it's so important. Now, this is where what you, what you articulated with the word courage. The fear and anxiety can feel like a vortex. It can feel like that whirlpool that's going down the bathroom drain when you pull the plug. It can feel like it can just sweep us away and we can just get totally lost in the fear. However, this is where courage really comes in. I, with healing anxiety the temptation is to run away from it. The temptation is to distract ourselves, to try to go do something else to keep ourselves busy. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, we might need to do that if the anxiety is really, really high. Mm -hmm. But if the anxiety is in like a kind of somewhat manageable place, rather than running away from it, what I found that the breakthroughs come When you're able to turn toward it and to imagine you're not turning toward it alone. You're not looking at it alone. You can imagine spirit, Jesus, angels, whatever works for you, looking at that anxiety with you. They're standing next to you and you're looking at it together because what you're looking at is simply a false belief. Mm -hmm. And as you invite the light of truth to shine upon it, just like the fog gets burned away by the sun, by the early morning you know, sun, when the sun starts to get higher and then the fog fizzles. That's been my experience with healing anxiety, with looking at the pain, the ick, with being able to be with it and to sit with it, but imagining that I am not doing so alone. If we imagine that we're doing so alone, that can just increase more fear, but we're not doing it alone because just like you said before, our mind is the mind of God and our heart is the heart of god and so we are not alone in this very holy and very important work that we are doing when we're healing anxiety and i fully believe that it's our responsibility it is our responsibility to heal if we're struggling whatever we're struggling with even take it beyond anxiety um the greatest gift we can give to ourselves and to others is to be willing to do this work is to be willing to allow love into our own minds and the Key also, because anxiety will kick up when we are making progress, it is so key that we not allow guilt to sneak back in there because that's another form that the ego will try to get in there and and dangle that little shiny token to try to make you think, oh, I'm regressing. I'm not getting better. That thought that I think everybody has had, I should be further along the path than I am. that's, That's an ego thought. And that's a thought that's just trying simply to hold you back. So breakthroughs happen when we have the courage to be with the fear, but to look at the fear with spirit, with Jesus, with God, with angels, whoever it is that resonates most with you. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and what it makes me think of is
1: that, do you think it's necessary or what role does it play, Corinne, that people feel, Look, it's just not possible for me anyway. It's just not possible. I I can't live without fear. This anxiety is going to be mine for the rest of my life. I'm going to be managing and coping with it for the rest of my life. If that's the belief, then do people even try to heal? I mean, what, what do you see with people who start in that place of they actually don't think that healing is possible for them.
0: Well, I say this with so much love, but I would say you're making yourself very special. <laughs> you're making yourself very special. Your anxiety, you know, one of the lies uh, that anxiety will try to make you believe is that you're the only one that feels this way, that is as as bad off as you are. It will try to absolutely convince you that there's no hope <laughs> for you but you are a child of God. You are still as God created you. This is just a belief. Again, just a belief in your mind. So healing, is it has to be possible. Of course it's possible. You're not so special that you're so going to just stay lost in anxiety forever. That's again, just an ego belief. And it's important to see that for what it is. And again, to have that willingness to see that belief differently. So if that's a thought for anybody listening. You know, it's not possible for me. The anxiety's always been here. It's gonna always be here. It's just how my brain works is how it is. Maybe that's true. Let's, I'll use myself as an example. We could say that Corinne is always gonna be on the anxious side. She's, oh, this is her, you know, ego construct of Corinne. But the truth is that we learn, I learn that I am not Corinne. You learn, as you're listening, you are not, insert your name. All of these identities that you've associated with yourself, that's not who you are. So maybe that construct of who you think you are is going to keep spinning its wheels and have its issues, but that's not you. And so that's the identification shift from shifting from a small sense of egoic self, shifting into recognizing your magnitude, recognizing your divinity and who it is that you truly are. And it's in that recognition that these issues fall away. And therefore, you might experience, you, I still experience myself as Corinne. I wake up every morning, you know, identified with, with Corinne. But, um, but there's a very, very profound difference now in this construct from before the course until, until now, until doing this really deep work. You know, I just had a memory come to mind. I had this really profound experience one time about uh, several years ago, and I woke up. And as I was waking up in that very early morning twilight, I was, I am, I, it was as if I was going through, remember those old school Rolodexes, they were around and they had all the little pieces of you know, the, cards. It was this, it was as if I was flipping through that Rolodex and I was like, who am I? Oh, right. I'm, I'm Corinne. This is who I am. And, and it was so profound because it showed me that little space that's there where I can, again, choose in terms of who it is that I'm identified with, it was a really powerful early morning awakening experience.
1: Yes! Wow that that is profound. What a great metaphor for spirit to give you to help you see that these personalities are just a construct designed to help us have healing. Absolutely! Absolutely, our divinity. It's it's uh it's extraordinary. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. You know what you're sharing also puts me in mind of one thing I shared in that Facebook Live we did last week, um, talking about the retreat that's coming up uh, in March, the um, the Spring Clearing Healing Retreat, healing with. Forgiveness and miracles, meaning, of course, miracles being miracle-minded, and also Kundalini yoga, uh, and a lot of joy and fun, of course, and prayer. But uh, I was saying how I, I do a, quite a few retreats, I usually do two, three, four a year, and Um, these are not just me giving talks at all. I really like to facilitate people having real lasting, deep healing transformation. And that usually in the first uh, 24 hours or even less after the first session or so, there will be a number of people will come up to me and say, Oh, Jennifer, I am just, I'm just so amazed because I was a hundred percent convinced I was the only one who thought this way. I was the only one who felt this way. I had no idea, none. And these are not like 23 year old people coming up to me saying this. These are people who have been on the planet for 50, 60, 70, sometimes even 80 years uh, saying I had no idea that how I feel and about myself and look at the world uh, wasn't so special. And um, and that's such a relief for people. It's the whole specialness thing is, uh, of course, miracles tells us that we're seeking to be special. And of course, that means that we're better than, but it also can mean we're less than. Uh, And it's that constant better than, less than, better than, less than, which is the opposite of humility. And without humility, there's just no spiritual awakening. So um, that the the courage to heal requires that giving up of that specialness. Do you have a, a memory of your own experience where you
0: you struggled with that? Can you remember anything like that? Well, sure, because I thought I was the only one who was this bad off. Nobody, when I started talking about this publicly, I started blogging and speaking well before my book came out. And then when the book came out, even more people you know, picked up the book and read it. And I started getting Messages from for, from friends from elementary school, middle school, high school, and college who said, "Wow, Corinne, I had no idea. I also have struggled so much with anxiety. I wish we would have talked about this." So there's this, I, you know, just the tendency to not speak about it. It's because we think, oh, you know, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think that there's something wrong with me. That's that's a form of specialness too, of separating ourselves and you know making ourselves less than what we think everybody else has when in fact (laughs) the pictures we see online you know are the best representations of what people are putting out about themselves it's not the whole story you know many people are forthcoming with their stuff um but it's important for us to remember that we're only seeing public selves. not everybody is always constantly being real with each other and so just that lack of talking about it for me was that form of, of specialness of making myself less than, less than others. And I do have to share though, that in healing, we, what we share, you know, the course teaches that as you give, you keep, as you share and extend, that's how you learn. That's how you reinforce it in your own mind. And so what a beautiful opportunity then that we have as we are healing the lessons that we're learning that as we share them with others, be it through words or just through example, we are, we are strengthening those ideas in our own minds.
1: Indeed, indeed. I know in, in Masterful Living and Finding Freedom in my classes, I find that one of the most healing things there is, is when people share and they're willing to be transparent and authentic and they, they get to release the shame. and uh, and. It it is profoundly healing, profoundly. Uh, Before we go into our break here, I want to mention a couple of things. If you are interested in joining us on the Spring Clearing Retreat, uh, it starts March 20th. And we're going to go five days so we can really make a difference in our lives. And uh, you can uh, register now. You can go to jenniferhadley.com events page. You can go into to Zer- Corinne Zepko's website. You can register there. And what i can tell you is that this is going to be a a beautiful resort and we are going to have a lovely lovely time together and we're going to have a lot of fun and it's an opportunity for us to let go of that resistance and reluctance and together have the courage to make a breakthrough in our healing on all levels so whether our our healing is anxiety or our healing is just a fear of um, uh, being our true self we're playing small whatever it is we're going to work on healing individually and it's not just lectures it's real um, in-person work together So as we're going to the break, I'm just letting everybody know, I'm Jennifer Hadley. My guest is Corinne Zepko. And you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. And we'll be right back.
0: Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk.
1: Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and my guest today is Corinne Zupko, who is helping us to develop the courage to heal. She's an expert in healing anxiety. And uh, she was on the this radio broadcast last year. So I encourage you to go and get that episode as well. And just so you know, if you're new to this radio show, you may not know this. Uh, we have an ar- archive of all the radio shows at Living A Course in Miracles dot com forward slash radio. Even if you just go to living a course miracles.com, we have a ton of resources there for course in miracles students. We have all kinds of free classes that have been, Done and recorded, you can access them. We have study group support, so if you're interested in starting a study group, you can get study group support. You can also uh, list your study group or look for a study group on our study group map. And we also uh, list teachers like Corinne Zepko and their events there. and so there's a lot of resources there at livingatcourseinmiracles.com. Uh, Course in Miracles free texts, messages every day. You can sign up for those. And the A Course in Miracles app, the free app is there as well. And that app is really the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, in Master for Living this week, I was sharing how everybody could use the reminders to go off throughout the day. I get three reminders an hour. Uh, I set them to go 33 minutes past, 55 minutes past, 11 minutes past. So I've got reminders coming at me all day long. And I just love it. It's fun every time I see it pop up on my phone. I I absolutely am grateful and thankful for that. And um, one of the things, too, that I would like to mention is, um, oh, uh, on that uh, radio show Archive, we transcribe episodes now, so we're we've got 380 episodes uh, over the last eight or nine years, and uh, we've transcribed most of them. And the episode that we did with Corinne last year, that's transcribed. You can get that transcript there. You'll be able to get this transcript. When it's available there, usually it's just a day or two. We we post them, and all that's free. And, of course, you can sign up for the podcast of the, the radio broadcast. And uh, it's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on – you can get it for Android or iPads and all that. So um, it's wonderful resources, great, great material, because uh, the last show that I did was – Corinne was really, really good and helpful too. So I encourage you to grab that and, and make use of it. And so, um, so Corinne, you and I are getting ready for this retreat next month where our focus is on healing and, and healing, all kinds of things. So, certainly anxiety, but also physical healing, as well as mental and emotional healing, healing at all levels. Because, as you and I know, of course, miracle students, the healing always takes place at the mind and then it ripples out. And I, I wanted to share with you uh, my favorite quote about healing, and it comes from. Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind teachings and the Center for Spiritual Living teachings, and Ernest Holmes, in his Science of Mind textbook, he said that um, healing does not take time. The only time that it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. And that is 100% in alignment with A Course in Miracles, that we have the healing at the level of the mind, and then it translates to our finances, to our relationships. We talk about this in Masterful Living all the time. We talk about it in My Sacred Circle, that uh, folks change their minds about their loved ones, and then their loved ones change. Uh, they change their minds about their spouse's drinking or whatever it is, and then when that their mind is changed because all minds are joined, other people's minds change too Now we can't do it in a manipulative way, but we can do it in a um uh in a loving way so I, I, I have no idea where any of this was leading me till right now. <laughs> I just got the question for you, which is: I think one of the biggest things I see for parents of any age with children's uh, children of any age uh, is that they can see their children's anxiety or their own anxiety about their children. And um, there's a rejection of it. So children who have anxious parents uh, want to reject their parents' view of them, right? And children of any age, even little children, will reject that view of their parents' anxiety looking
0: at them. I wonder if you could talk about that. Ooh. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, the immediate thing that comes to mind is that when I was really 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 struggling with anxiety and Jennifer, I I just have to say that it is so generous of you with what you're doing for so many people with these free transcripts and the show and the app and I definitely encourage folks to listen to the episode that we previously did because I shared a lot more detail about my specific story and healing because if you think you're too far gone <laughs> wait till you hear just you know where what I've been through in terms of the panic attacks and the lifelong anxiety. What you're saying is so interesting about children wanting to reject the view that their parents have, you know, of of their anxiety. I didn't tell When I was really struggling, when I was like on the couch, unable to function, having panic attacks, couldn't eat because physically my stomach was in such a spasmed knot, I chose to only tell people who I knew would not buy into the belief of what they were seeing. They would not reinforce the fear in my mind. I wanted instead to tell people who would be willing to see only the truth in me. And that when we are willing to see the truth in our brothers and in every living thing, when we're willing to see the truth, we're stepping into that space of miracle mindedness because now we're siding with spirit's vision of seeing past what's false and only upholding the love, only upholding the truth rather than siding with the ego's vision, which is how we see typically, you know, with what our body's eyes are for rather than with siding with the fear. So when, you know, people close to me in my family were like, Corinne, I didn't know you were going through such a hard time. And I'd say like, well, I kind of needed people who weren't going to feel bad for me. I needed to, I needed to tell people who weren't going to worry about me. Because if you're worrying, if you're in any way sensing or siding with fear, if, if my anxiety is going to kick up yours, I'm going to sense that anxious people, anxious kids, we're very, very attuned. We can really read <laughs> the, you know, the body language, the very subtle um, facial expressions. We're really tuned in, even maybe just energetically. And so, you know, I had somebody who I didn't want to tell because I knew it would trigger their own anxiety issues. And to this day, you know, I can sense when that person is off. It's somebody who I grew up with, so I'm of course very, you know, um, I, I know them really well. So one of the best things. If you're a parent and you have a child with anxiety, number one, don't hesitate to get them help, earthly help, earthly therapy. You know, I was, I, I'm still a big fan of therapy. I think that spirit can speak through others when we feel too blocked. But if we're siding with the fear and getting really scared and worried, that. that child is going to pick up on it. And just like you said, they're going to be like, no, you know, I don't don't want it. I don't want it. So it's so important that we be willing to bring our minds back to that place of truth, even with the relationships that are the most real to us, meaning like, you know, parent, child, um, spouse, the ones that, you know, we're going to feel maybe very easily upset if they're not doing well. That's, a place where the rubber really hits the road where it can feel like we have to exert even more willingness and more vigilance um, to be willing to see the truth but again it is just a tiny bit of willingness so it's not like we have to perfectly master this and not feel fear at all we need to take that fear to the holy spirit we need to take our own anxiety to the holy spirit we need to be willing to do this work in ourselves to be fully present and to be fully helpful to our brothers because all forms of fear. If another person is anxious or upset, they're all calls for love. They're literally asking you, please see the truth in me, please. That's what they're saying when they're freaking out. (laughs) Please see the truth in me. And I was so in touch with that when I was going through my hard time that one of the, or multiple hard times, but I have one hard time in particular because I was knocked out on the couch over at my mom and stepdad's house. They're both course students. So I was really, really fortunate to have them as guides and lights in my life. And my stepdad looked at me and now I'm a wreck, like mascara, you know, down my cheeks from crying, not eating, not sleeping. I kicked him out of like, he was sleeping on the couch so I could sleep in the same bed (laughs) with my mom. So I just wasn't alone because my husband was away. He looked at me and he said, Corinne, the light, and it was with conviction. He said, the light in you is too bright to fail. And so imagine speaking those words to your child. Imagine speaking those words to yourself, to anybody in your life who's going through a difficult time. How empowering that is. That's coming from a place of true strength. When you can say to somebody who's suffering, the light in you is too bright to fail. I am willing to join with that which is true in you. And in doing so, what's going to happen? But again, we're siding with love, that fear has to fall away.
1: Mm. Spirit cannot fail and it cannot fail as you. Yes. Yes. That is powerful. It is so powerful. You know, when, when, um, Do you think anxious children have anxious parents? Is there any correlation there, do you think?
0: There is a size. I mean, if we're talking level of form, there's definitely research that shows that, you know, that there's a genetic component to anxiety and a learned component as well. And it's pretty funny for me now to kind of look back and recognize in my own parents' patterns that like they had lots of anxiety also. So I was kind of like... Um, you know, sort of a, a vessel who really voiced the anxiety for perhaps anxiety that wasn't getting voiced. But there is that component to it. It doesn't mean that we're doomed or destined to stay there, because again, it's our duty to, you know, our responsibility, I believe, to be miracle workers and to be willing to to side with love. But um, there is a piece of it being genetic on the world of form and learned also. However, again that's according to the world of form. And we know that only truth is true. And so nothing nothing that the world teaches um, is not subject to question. We should question everything, even genetics.
1: Yeah, and what you were sharing too about um, being able to feel the fear, recognize the fear for what it is. I mean, that that's the essence of courage it's not that we don't feel fear people who are courageous are not exempt from the fear they feel the fear but they make a a choice from their heart anyway that's to me really what the definition of courage is And it does take a tremendous amount of courage to heal. I I know this. I have myself, my my issues were really emotional issues, mental issues, um, where I uh, was uh, truly a textbook control freak and uh so judgmental so intensely judgmental now i'm able to help people who have those issues because those are not my issues anymore thank the lord jesus that i've been able to overcome those uh, or just heal them dissolve them resolve them and that has taught me that other people can heal and resolve and dissolve uh very intense patterns and i've I've witnessed people do that, I've witnessed time and time and time again miraculous healing, and the main ingredient in there is the willingness to heal, like you were talking about. Even a tiny bit of willingness is willingness. I I wanna ask you too, um, for those who are not experts in anxiety but feel anxious and worried, because I think there's a lot of people that deeply struggle with fear, anxiety, and worry, who have never talked to any kind of professional person about it, have not received help, I think you're of a generation where you it's it's um you know there were services provided you're at college, you could go to the to the healthcare department, you know, there's different things. It's far more acceptable than, say, when my parents and my grandparents were kids. And we have a lot of people who listen to this show who are over 50, 60, 70, even 80 years old. So um, I wonder can, are, is there a definition that the difference between, say,
0: worry, fear, and anxiety, those three? Ooh, great question. Um, well, I'll give you my informal, informal definition. You know, the course teaches that the two emotions that we experience are either love or fear. It's either calls for love in terms of the category of fear or, or it's love. So in fear, we have many, many ways that we experience that, be it guilt, anxiety, worry, depression, you know, all, all the what we would call negative um, types of emotions can be put in the category of fear, and love is that trust, that faith, that light, that peace, that feeling that we all you know would love. Um, in terms of the definition now of anxiety, I like to think about a continuum, and at the bottom of the continuum are kind of the everyday worries and fears that we all experience, you know um, just those fleeting thoughts of of worry or fear, but if you picture like an old school knob on a stereo, like back when we had knobs, (laughs) not just digital buttons. If you turn up that knob, if you crank up that volume, what you start to see is the more intense type of anxiety that can come out as panic attacks. It can come out as obsessive thinking, um, compulsive behaviors, lots of, of worry that just can't be controlled. So I think that anxiety exists at a high end of the spectrum. And there's of course, a whole physical component that happens too. When we're feeling off, even in just the slightest bit, we might start to have little places of tension in our body. Turn up that knob, turn up that volume. You're gonna have rapid heart rate. You might feel tingly, you might feel shaky. In my experience, anxiety can create all sorts of bizarre symptoms, like really bizarre symptoms, and that's where so much of my pattern was hypochondria, where I'd feel a re- really weird symptom and run to the doctor because I was terrified that I was, you know, having a heart attack or dying or something. And it was anxiety. So, anxiety can also bring about, you know, physical physical symptoms. But what, wherever it exists on this continuum, again, it's the opportunity to notice it, even if it's fleeting, even if it's subtle. It's an opportunity to notice the fear thought, and to choose a miracle instead, to choose to turn to spirit and to ask for that miracle instead, because it's almost like a filter. We're flushing out as we catch these fearful thoughts, these worries, these fleeting judgments that come up. It's like a filter. We're catching them and we're sending them. We're giving them to spirit instead for an exchange. We're, We're letting that go to get that miracle, to get that loving thought Back instead, and it also is really important, you know. When I speak, I want to just jump back for a second. When I have said before and indicated that it's like a responsibility for us to heal, I do believe we have that responsibility to turn towards love. It's important that we not let our expectations get in there, that then something needs to happen. Like, you know, okay, so I've stubbed my toe and I'm going to, you know, ask for a healing, ask for a miracle, but my toe's still hurting, so it must not be working. There's a quote in A Course in Miracles that says, uh, it's something says something to the effect of, to doubt a healing because of the appearance of continuing symptoms is a mistake in the form of lack of trust. Mm-hmm. So this is where, again, it's important that we continually bring our minds back to the truth, back to love, and not decide how the healing needs to look, because that can be a slippery slope to get back into you know, the ego again.
1: That is such an important point. I've seen that time and time again with people who are desperate for some kind of healing, which it's understandable. If you feel like you're being driven insane, if you feel like you're being tortured, if you are in such um, a uh, a difficult experience in the world of form, you just want it to end. For God's sakes, could it just please end? Um, And that, of course, it it sort of presupposes that what's happening to you is a mistake, Mm -hmm. that your experience is a mistake, rather than it, it does actually contain good in it that has been gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. When you're in excruciating mental, emotional, physical pain, it's hard to think that what part of this was gently planned? maybe the planning was gentle, but the experience is nightmarish, and so you just want it to end and what so that that critical point of being uh, able to stand there and to choose healing rather than just Diverting the symptoms or diverting because because everything has a root cause And so what I teach in my classes is let's heal things at the root cause Let's not manage and cope with the symptoms. Forget that. Let's go for a permanent healing when it comes to these kinds of emotional issues How can you hold that in your mind at the same time everything else is going on?
0: Mm, That is a great question. How can you hold that in your mind when the ego is shrieking, maybe not just with thoughts and fears and anxieties, but even with physical pain? How do we hold that in mind? And that is where I think it is going to be very individual. We're going to have to do some experimenting to see what works. You mentioned that your app gives reminders. I used to have like post-it notes all over the place, like sticky notes everywhere. My mother used to wear a Band-Aid with the Course in Miracles lesson written on it for the day. So she'd have it like on her hand constantly. We, we have to do whatever works for us. Having a bell chime. I had a, a, an alarm clock for the longest time that was actually a Zen bell that would ding every hour on the hour to remind ourselves to come back to the truth. Because when we just get lost in the to-do list of the day, it's very likely that we're going to going to forget. So I think that one of the ways, so just to finish my thought, I think that we have to experiment and see what can work for us. But one of the ways that has been very helpful for me to have that mind training, to build a better ability to focus on spirit, to remember when I drift, or to notice I should say when I drift, and to remember to come back, has been through the practice of meditation. And meditation to me, it's wonderful when we're able to just sit and be still and rest in God. Like, ah, that feels just so nice and blissful. But a lot of times we start to meditate and our minds just, it's the monkey mind. It's a thousand thoughts. It's the to-do list. It's the urges to go use the bathroom or go, you know, check your email or whatever. All this stuff starts coming up. In my experience, it's been so helpful to not judge that monkey mind, to just witness it. And every time I notice that my mind drifts off, I choose to bring it back. And it can be to a Course in Miracles lesson. It can be to a Course quote. In A Course in Miracles, in the early dictation, Bill Thetford was having trouble in meditation because his, his mind was wandering a lot. And Jesus gave him a meditation technique. He gave him the term, the, the phrase, here I am, Lord. And he said to Bill Fetford, Jesus said to Bill Fetford, just keep bringing your mind back. Here I am, Lord. Bring it every time it wanders. Bring it back. And so that is mind training. When we can notice our mind wander and choose to bring it back without judgment, this, then then we're strengthening our ability to focus. We're strengthening our ability to um, bring back our wandering mind each time we notice that it goes off
1: beautiful that is incredibly helpful i'm so glad that i got to ask you that question and i wish we had another hour i'm so glad we're going to be having uh the retreat coming up march 20th to the 24th that we're going to have that wonderful expanse of healing time together and Uh, Just a reminder that you can go to Corinne Zepko's website. You can go to jenniferhadley.com. You can sign up or read more uh, from either website. And also that uh, I really encourage you to take a look at Corinne's book, uh, From Anxiety to Love. It's easy to find and get. It's super helpful, super, super helpful, uh, especially for folks who have... um, Loved ones who have anxiety to even just get a a, a view in. Never mind people who have it themselves. Real quick, let's say a blessing. So grateful and thankful that the love of God is shining in our hearts and minds now and forever. We share these blessings with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest
0: of your week, everybody. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you. Love you.